SMQBs, this is episode 66. We are covering the PGA Championship, which was uh, great golf drama. Maybe not such great golf. We also talk about the feast or famine in the NBA. Somebody tries to explain why soccer is exciting. And we may have a confession about some of the SMQBs love or not of soccer. Don't miss that. F1 mailbag, is it sporting to pull over to the side and let your teammate go by? Or are you just a sucker at that point? A couple great punchable faces of the week. So many faces. The punch in college football this week. A really nice lasso. And a special pour one out. Happy birthday to Rooster and Milk. Check out the episode. Leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening. It's when the people climb up on the booth. Hanging from the people on the people night. It's the roof dancing on the ceiling. On the people, I got people on the Dancing on the people, I got people. SMQBs, this is the birthday episode, episode 66. Before we wish birthday pleasantries, if you guys can't get this right very quickly, you have to turn in your Canadian cards on Victoria Day. Um, Oh, so it's not Larry Little. Who? Who? No. Larry, Larry Little, all pro for the undefeated Miami Dolphins. This guy played 17 NHL seasons. NHL. For the Penguins? Mario Lemieux. Yes. Uh, come on now. Uh, come on, guys. That is the you know, right 66. That's the right one. Of course it is. There's only one, especially on, on Canada Day, where Who's we honor Canada? the person Queen, who Queen Vicky Day fought, fought so, for our. By the way, now we know that Rooster does research these before because he was very prepared there. No, no, no. I've been thinking about this since last week. Number sixty-six. <laughs> yeah, he's got notes. Do you know? Do you know why he's sixty? Do you know why Lou sixty-six? No. You know, because he said he was going to turn Gretzky's records upside down. Nice. No, that Number is ninety-nine. He would have. He would have, I think. That's yeah. why he went with that? That's why he went with 66. He's I never knew that. His records upside down. I think he would have. That is a He was on pace. At least we know who number 99 is going to be now. Yeah, probably. I guess like, I, I, yeah, if you couldn't have figured that one out ahead of time. Hey, happy birthday, guys. Hey, Aaron Judge. Yeah. Thank you. Come on. We've got happy a couple birthday. birthdays here. Big, uh, birthdays. The big, big one. zero for me. Milk and Rooster separated by how many decades? 30 years. 30 years. You wish. You wish you were 30. Yeah. As, as we know, Rooster was so uh, do I. <laughs> second tour of duty in Nam when Milk was born. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Partner, 70s, partners man. and we share a birthday. That's right. It's no wonder we're undefeated. That's right. It, what? <laughs> I'm going to take, well, take, take a big drink. I have questions. Lie. Hey, th- well, thanks, guys. Appreciate happy it. Happy birthday, guys. Happy birthday. Thank All you. Right, let's Thank get you. on to uh, things that matter in this world. Uh, PGA Championship. Pretty compelling stuff this weekend. Milk, you probably watched a little golf. What do you think? I did. And to House's credit, I have to say um, what was on display this weekend was that golf course. I thought Southern Hills was fantastic. Um, I thought it was extremely difficult almost u.s open conditions 
and you could tell like did you guys watch like JT at the end there that look on his face after he won I mean it looked like he had gone through like a, a marathon I mean he looked exhausted and a lot I know a lot of that was a, a great comeback on Sunday but I think a lot of it also was just four days of a battle I mean it was it was a battle um and I thought that golf course was was amazing um they did a they did a great job preparing um it was it was fantastic I will say however some of the golf on Sunday was pretty bad and now when you combine Southern Hills the the difficulty of Southern Hills and then you see a leaderboard going into Sunday with a lot of guys who've never been there before. Right. I mean, you're not surprised at what happened. Um, I think golf course put fear in these guys heads uh, and it showed down the stretch. I mean, the, the pressure of winning a first major and all those guys, I mean, top, none of those guys have won a major right at the, at the beginning of the of Sunday, the top five guys, at least. You know, Watson was the only one. He was, but you knew he was going to 12 years ago, right? He was going to blow up. Um, they won a green jacket more recent than that. That's that's right. He did. Um, when you combine that with, with almost the, the conditions of Southern Hills, you, you, you just kind of knew that those guys weren't going to stick around and it showed, I mean, some really bad shots. Um, I mean, Zalatoris's putting, as House was pointing out many, many times, was extremely difficult, except for the one on on eighteen to get the playoff. Um, but the eighteenth hole in, in Mito Pereira's going up with a one shot lead was one of the more gut riching holes of golf I've ever watched. Um, starting off with a drive that, like when he hit it, you almost knew that thing's going in the water. It was awkward. And then when they showed the replay, it almost looked like he was swinging a baseball bat. I mean, it, something went horribly wrong with his. It, with his it, it looked like with the old Charles Barkley swing. Well, yeah, seriously, I, I would take the Arnold I, Palmer finish, which was not intentional. I would take any one of our five swings over that swing on 18. Just <laughs> That's like how bad what? it was. If it was just the pressure got to him, I guess, or I don't know what happened, but, um, you know, you're sitting there like you've got a one shot lead. You just need part of the part, part it, you win bogey. You're going to be, you're going to make a playoff at least like just don't double bogey. And he goes right into the water. It was just horrible. <laughs> you knew it was over then. Um, but I don't want to take, look, a lot of Sunday was bad play. And a lot of that was due to pressure and a very difficult golf course, but I don't want to take anything away from Justin Thomas, seven shots back going into, into Sunday, he comes off a horrible 74 on, on Saturday where he was pretty much done Um, comes back, shoots a 67. I think he, I think he shot, I think he had what six birdies or something in the last 12 holes. He really played really great composed golf the the back nine he you know the, he'd been there before it was a bunch of guys who hadn't been there been there before and him who had a pga championship he's got a major under his belt it'd been a while been five years or something but he just looked composed the pressure didn't wasn't going to get to him um and and 
it, unbelievable performance by him on the back on the back nine to to get to a playoff and five under. And then he once it got to him with Zalatoris, you knew it was over. You knew Zalatoris's putting was was suspect, but he birdies two two of the final of the three holes and and wins it. And that look on his like I said, going back, that look on his face at the end was just showed what this tournament, how difficult this tournament was, and how much it meant to him to win it in those conditions and fighting back the way he did on a very difficult golf course. Well, I, a lot of that, a lot of that look though was also just so happy after five years of not winning yeah. a major and having the expectations, just relief at finally getting another major. Um, you know, you get to be twenty nine, you won one at twenty four, you think they're going to come easy, and they don't come easy. And this this meant a ton to him to finally win another major when he'd been so close. But here's a stat. Here's a stat for you guys. You know, I like of course. Stats. When is the last time before yesterday that a player had not won the major when he had a one-stroke lead on the 18th hole? Mm. French guy. Nope. That's what I was going to guess, something like that. Nope. Van, what is his name? Vander? Vander? Van, Van, no, 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 no. That was 99. It was since when was then. It? When was it, Pope? I, I texted you guys yesterday. 2006. Wingfoot, Bill Mickelson, ah, wow. U.S. Open. Don't you oh, remember? Horrible U.S. Open where you where you went with the driver. Went with driver on eighteen. All he needed to do was was uh, par to win, bogey to get in a playoff, and he doubled it. Hit well, the ball and did hit the three wood, man. That's yep. the question I have. Was this not caddy malpractice? I mean, at a certain point, do you have to not say to Pereira, "Hey, man, we're up one." Just whatever club brings you down the left side, I don't care whether it's three wood, five wood, whatever. We just got to get on in two and two putt. How could you not control your player at that point? You do. You do what McAvoy's caddy did in in uh, ten cup, and you take his driver and you smash it over your. <laughs> Seriously, there was, there you was somebody. There so we can't use it again. Smash the driver. Smash the driver. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this cool video of, uh, uh, by Dustin Johnson, which where he basically said on every drive possible, if possible, he would like to cut, you know, where the ball obviously fades out to the right. And something that I love about that course, I, since a lot of the players do like to play a cut as much as possible when they're driving the ball, that makes that 18th hole where the water comes up the right side just diabolical and you could hear them on television just whatever club you can get to keep it down the left side and i guess i guess you know Pereira was confident from what he had done the day before with a driver on 18 but you know to rooster's point this now goes down the history bad history this is the chilean jan van de velde this we're going to remember is, the, the ball in the creek but- but to your point, though, House, I mean, that's the kind of thing where, you know, it's like, OK, I've been hitting the ball great for four days. You know, I'm not going to change up what I've been doing and be afraid of this hole. I mean, right. Like it cuts both ways. You know, there's the there's the OK, I'm going to play it safe. But then when you play when you start playing things safe is when things go to shit, too. Right. I mean, yeah. if he had pulled out a three iron 
and it left it, you know, so short that he then had to hit something. I don't know, whatever. We would all be saying the driver was working for you all weekend. Why did you go away from it? I mean, the, this, the second guessing is, well, you know, is too easy, but, but he wasn't playing well. I mean, he was what three over at that point on the day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a quarter rotation from having a two-stroke lead going on to 18, and I think that's that's a right. totally different story. Yeah, he almost birdied 17, so he yeah, had been right. feeling pretty good. Yeah, that's right. And then and then when then there was that situation where he had his his shot after going in the water, um where he's off the green, and they kept saying like why is he not walking the green and going to the other side? His his approach yeah. where he had to go up and down was atrocious. Yeah. Right. He just turned into a mental basket case. Same thing yeah. Phil, same thing Phil did on at Wingfoot on 18. I mean, he still could have got up and down and made a playoff and hit just hit a horrible shot. He he was just mind. But, you know, Phil was ego, right? He was just being an asshole where these guys were they're just They've never been there. This is the hundredth ranked player in the yeah. world. They're just finished yeah. third it's, in the PGA Championship. I mean, yeah. it's quite I mean, an accomplishment, really. It's only his second major ever. You said it's caddy malpractice. Who's his caddy? Who's his caddy that's that's carrying the bag for the hundredth ranked player like, in the world? It looked like Shaggy Doo to me. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. He was probably you know shitting his pants the same yeah, way. Right? I, I don't know, dude. Whatever, <laughs> hit hit whatever you want, whatever works for you. Man. <laughs> whatever, yeah. whatever you You're think, buddy. Dude, You're I mean, boss. yeah, two point five million and the ten percent of that. I'm just calculating it in my head. Just go ahead and hit it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lost eight, he lost some 1.3 million with that drive. Yeah. So so I you know, so I texted a, a buddy uh, Dr. Mike in Miami in the middle I said who's going to win this thing and he said Charmin because everybody's shitting all over themselves. But, <laughs> but I want I want to ask a question though. I mean what like maybe this is too much putting too much appreciation on Tiger Woods and we have to like move on from Tiger at some point but why can't we find a generation of players who can consistently perform? I mean, when even Tiger and Phil, for that matter, you know, there was a point where every time they teed it up, you thought they were going to be playing in the final group on Sunday. And there were a lot of times for years there, one of them was in the final group or damn near close to it. Now we go into these majors and you think, you know, who's going to be there and and they're they're not. I mean, they, they don't show up. Yeah, right? DJ I mean, and Sheffley didn't even make, didn't even make the cut. Yeah. Right. Well, where that was, was shocking. I, mean, I didn't I didn't think Sheffler would win, but to not make the cut, double bogey on eighteen. Otherwise, he would have made the cut. That but, was that was shocking. And and to your point, Bison, I think that you know maybe we put a little bit too much stock into him being a horse going forward on a regular basis. Well, but not also, just him. There's no Phil was twenty. When Phil was twenty, did you feel that way about him? I know you did when Tiger was twenty, but these guys like Zal Torres is like twenty years old. No, but, Phil but I think twenty-five. I think Bison but, makes a good point that the the most sustained success you've seen out of any of these guys is about three or four years. Like Kepka put right. it together for a few years, Spieth put right. it together for a few years, DJ put it together for a few years, but no one's been anything close. DJ Bow flash in the pan, right? I mean, and, and maybe that's more normal. Three years, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Well, they also have more injuries, it seems. Well, I would, I was when Shuffler didn't make the cut, and then 
when Tiger did, and it was sad watching him. Oh yeah, gotta talk about that with for that third round. But holy shit, like you realize how good Tiger was. Like it puts into perspective. Like this guy, like Shuffler wins the Masters. He looks unbelievable, and he just misses the cut at PGA Championship. And meanwhile, he's, he's young and has a healthy body. Meanwhile, yeah. Tiger is yeah. breaking it down before our eyes. He makes the cut. Yeah. Like, Makes the cut and yeah, he has a horrible whatever. But I mean, holy crap! He what a it's like not it's like night and day. It's not even they're not even the same ballpark. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, one of the probably the greatest feats in Tiger's entire career was making the cut at that beast uh, Southern Hills uh, with with a you know the leg that won't respond when he's when he needs it. Um, up and down those hills in the heat, totally different than Augusta. And he yes. still made the cut. Still made it. Yeah, just unbelievable. That's and, how good he is, though. He's yeah. not, he's in the worst condition of his life. Right. And he still was able to make the cut. He still has the has the you know fortitude to make the cut after all that adversity. Yeah. Yeah. I just think golf, you know, golf, you know, you know, it's it's nice to have a lot of different stars, but when nobody's consistently there, it's hard to have rivalries. It's hard to have somebody that you really want to see out there that you're really always rooting for. And, you know, like, you know, like Hal said, we have a couple of these guys who show up for a couple of years, but then they're just, they're not there. They're just not even relevant anymore. So it'll be interesting to see how the next two majors this year play out, um, you know, to see if there's, some of these guys climb back up to the top who we'd expect to see there. Or is it like, you know, a guy gets hot one day or one weekend and then disappears the next tournament. Yeah. You guys know you cited to that uh, stat milk with seven shots back. Was that a record? Uh, tied. Oh, tied a record. Tied. Yeah. That was crazy. Tied for the PGA, not, not any other, just the PGA championship. Yeah. Great round by JT. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, collective. with Jordan playing better, JT, you know, maybe the guys who three or four years ago were the big three or big four, maybe they're making another comeback, and, and we'll see that, you know, DJ and Kepkin, those guys won't be able to compete again. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, something to watch for sure. So, but it was it was definitely, uh, you can't say it was, I, I can't remember who said it, it was not great golf. It was great golf drama, but you couldn't say it was great golf, right? Right, right. Def- definitely compelling. So, all right. Well, while that's going on, we, you know, tournament ends and we move right to uh, the NBA where um, the second hottest team since the trade deadline was playing at home and playing for their, their lives. And so they were clearly going to hand it to golden state, right? Pope clearly. Yeah. Well, they, they did. They were up by nine in the second quarter and then, uh, oh, wait, you want the final result? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I, you know, you heard me on my report last week. I predicted the Mavs in six and uh, was manufacturing and drinking and selling the Kool-Aid, clearly. Um, sure. Just to be clear, you sent a report in. Nobody really fucking listened to it, though. Right. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just letting you know. You might so want to refresh our memory. You should have <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't bring it up. No one will remember. Yeah. You yeah. made Nobody massive edits to that, to that video <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I said maps in six and it looks like it's going to be warriors in four. Uh, I don't think, 
I, you know, it'd be great if they won uh, to stave off the, uh, the sweep on Tuesday, but um, I mean, they're a defeated team. They're a tired team. Uh, they don't have a, a much depth and it clearly, you know, it's affecting them right now. Mentally, they are, you know, pretty much checked out after blowing that second game when they had a 19 point lead with a 15 point lead in the late in the third quarter. Um, you know, Golden State uh, is I know Toby said, you know, Golden State ruined basketball, but but Golden State is a is a multidimensional team this year that I don't think I'd appreciated before this series. Uh, I mean, their their ability to get the ball inside and score in the paint. They're not relying all on threes. Uh, Wiggins, holy shit, did he got he came out of nowhere uh, and is playing all NBA right now. And and you know Kevin Looney has uh, had his career game. Now it could be the Mavs suck in the paint, but Golden State is uh, their ability to hit the perimeter and open up the middle. And with Draymond Green and those guys, great passing. Um, it you know it wasn't a fair fight. Uh, I think. Golden State, they played against Phoenix all year until uh, Steph got hurt. They were, and Clay got hurt. They were going up with them for the best record. And so I think Golden State is got their eyes on the prize. They're going to take care of the Mavs, uh, you know, live by three, die by the three. And it, it's interesting, uh, just one more point. Jason Kidd's uh, reaction last night after the game was he said, well, you know, I'm not concerned. I mean, we, this is our team. We live by the three and we die by the three. And this is a good learning process. Nobody expected us to be here. We're early. Lucas 23. We're, you know, we're learning a lot about how to play and be better in the future. Um, I think Dallas actually is looking at this now, even though they're, you know, arguably four games away from uh, 146 uh, and O for teams that are three and O uh, they're looking at this as a great season um, they just didn't have the horses to compete and they know what they need to do for next year. I mean, that sounded like a Canadian hockey coach speech right, right. there. What yeah, the really? fuck? I mean, yeah, they're getting respect the in the handshake fuck? line, at least. Jeez. <laughs> you know, yeah, be fucking Call them out. I, I actually think that there's a bet in each, in each division, there's a one team's clearly better than the other. And the difference is, you know, Steve Kerr is just maybe the best coach in basketball. And M.A. Udoka is a good coach, but he's brand new and his team is not listening to him all the time. They should be beating the Heat. Spolster is a great coach. I mean, he, he and Kerr may be the two best coaches in basketball right now. Hard to argue. And, you know, it, the, the, the Mavs are challenged by their, by their roster. I mean, they, they've got a ISO ball, hold it and shoot threes approach. And, but still kid did a good job coaching against the box and one and the, and the uh, zone problem is the guys who were wide open for threes couldn't make the threes. Like you got guys like block taking threes. He's like a C C level three point shooter. And, and uh, what's his name? Max Kleber. He's Kleber. You know, he's, yeah. I think they were Kleber. I think he's, they were over last. Yeah, they were over last he'll night. Have a game where he's hot, and then he'll have a game where he's over. Yeah, but I mean, Bullock in Game Seven against Phoenix, nobody saw that coming. He no, was like right, but you seven can't for rely on that. From three, you can't that, rely on that. That is the Mavericks' ball for this year, and, and right. But you need better. You need better players if that's going to be your style, because you come up I don't against disagree. a guy like Steve Kerr, whose philosophy is you pass and you cut, and nobody stands still. You may not get the ball back. 
but people are going to have to work their asses off to cover us. And I'm going to play everybody on my bench all year long so that when Wiggins needs to step up or Looney needs to step up, they're experienced and they fit right in. I mean, I really, I really think hats off to Steve Kerr. He's, he's put this team in place to go all the way. Bruce, do you think that's, do you think that the reliance on the three ball is why we've had this sort of feast or famine? I mean, the, the games haven't been really great in the playoffs. Uh, they've been, they've been entertaining, but they haven't been really tight, close games. Well, everybody keeps saying that, but if you look at it, there have been two blowouts game two, the Celtics beat the, uh, the heat by 25, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> and in uh, the first game of the Golden State Mavs series, Golden State beat the Mavs by 22. Every other game has been within single digits, lots of nine point games, but they haven't been huge blowouts. I, th- I really think it's, it's philosophy. Um, you cannot play ISO ball and hold the ball in this deep into the playoffs because good defenses will adjust. The reason the Celtics got, are getting killed is all of a sudden these guys are becoming turnover machines. These guys, they are so much better than the Heat. The Heat have Jimmy Butler, uh, who's hurt, and that's it. But the, this, the Heat's whole uh, strategy is take away Jason Tatum. Well, you can't do that if you if if you if you do if you play the way uh, Udoka wanted them to play earlier in, in in early in the playoffs, where everyone's moving. Everyone's picking, everyone's getting open, but now they've re- they've resorted back to Jason Tatum's going to hold the ball. He's going to try try to drive and kick or drive and drive into three people and draw, you know, he's getting a lot of offensive fouls now. He's trying to he's trying to throw these passes through two defenders and they're I mean the turnovers in the last game were ridiculous. They really I, I do hard. I think you're selling that roster a little short though. I mean Lowry and Bam and Tyler Hero are pretty good players when when you put them with Jimmy Butler. I mean that's that's a pretty solid team. It's, great it's a solid team. Basketball. They were they were they were uh, the number one seed for a reason. But the Celtics, when they're playing well, are a better team than the Heat. Two points. One is Rooster said this by text the other day. I completely agree with it. If you want any evidence about Steve Kerr being a great coach, look how he transformed Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins was on his way to becoming the Todd Marinovich of basketball. He was the number one overall pick and he, he was just a disaster. Cleveland, Minnesota, he started being just a journeyman and he sucked and Kerr, figured out how to use him the right way. And he is playing fantastic. Um, The same goes with, you know, Spolstra and Struess. You know, nobody knew about Struess. He's like, whatever, some other dime a dozen. And he is a fantastic shooter. And his use of PJ uh, Tucker too. And PJ Tucker. But the Heat are seeing a carbon copy. Also to your point, this is what the Sixers did. They put it in Harden's hand. They let the shot clock run down. Then he tried to thread the ball through something ridiculous and cause turnover. They they must be thrilled that they're watching deja vu all over again because the the Celtics are doing the same exact thing in NBA playoffs. You cannot run the shot clock under eight and expect that that becomes a one dimensional thing. It's one or two players are going to get the ball. That's what the Mavs are doing to to Pope's point to Pope's point about Andrew Wiggins play right now 
nobody can stay in front of that guy right now. Have you seen the moves he's got? He's got that shimmy move and he just blows by people. He's he's turning it on. I hope he has a great year next well, year. Well, he's he's playing with just amazing <clears throat> confidence right now, which goes a long way. Yep. And but you know, think the about po- where poster of Luca. <laughs> think about where Jordan Poole was in the priority of that lineup just one right. series ago. Now he's sitting on the bench. And that just shows you how Steve Kerr has played everybody so much that they're kind of interchangeable. And no no other team can say that. Everybody else has a shallow bench compared to the Warriors. Well, and they're without Gary Payton Jr. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was real important to them and in, in uh, the way they played at the end of the year. So Rooster, is this Celtics Heat series over? Who do you have winning this? I think the Celtics are going to come back and win tonight. Um they need to they, they need to circle the wagons and understand one thing. They have limited ability to dribble the ball up the court. And Jalen Brown should never be taking the ball up the court. They need to get the ball across half court quickly, like like House says, in the hands of Smart, and run their offense and stop with the ISO ball. Jalen Brown and even Tatum are just turning the ball over way too much under pressure. They need to run plays. But I think they will uh, even it up tonight, and then it'll be anybody's anybody's series. I'll, I'll admit that, that basketball is probably what – NBA, at least, is, is one of the sports I watch the least of. But, but I do recall that dribbling is important still, right? Mm-hmm. That's, dribbling a, is that's important. important. Dribbling is important. <laughs> and, they, and, and, okay, they're not good at it at all. Well, over, so, and over dribbling okay. is a bad thing. Okay, <laughs> which which is kind of Dallas's problem, right? Right, right. Okay, that and the inability to hit a. I can't even shot. dribble, so I'm really screwed. You just dribble your milk. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, okay. I think they uh, don't you dribble in soccer too? Isn't that what you say? Oh man, did we see some good dribbling Ooh. in soccer yesterday over a five minute oh. period? I mean, listen, people, if you're like me and you have no sports teams to watch, change, <laughs> change the channel and watch some uh, European soccer because yesterday was pretty special. Okay, okay but House, wait. Next time you, you send us a text message about the third guy on the wide receiver depth chart for the Eagles, I'm going to remind you that you, right. you just said that. <laughs> right. And you have a, you've got a USFL team. So don't discount that. I, yeah. Congrats to the stars. Yeah. I'm beating Tampa stars. Tampa team again, poor Tampa. And yes, the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. But anyway, for now, <laughs> yesterday's uh, premier league had, you know, who are now pretty good rivals. Um, you know, Premier League is pretty much five or six teams at the top always with Man City and Liverpool and Chelsea and Tottenham and Arsenal and Man U. But of late, it's really been Man City versus Liverpool. And as a result of a little end of the season letdown, it had shrunk to one point. And of course, with a win, each game is worth three points and a tie is worth one point. So Man City is holding by one point. And what's so awesome about Premier League is on the final day, they make everybody play at the same time. So you don't get to like play differently later on in the day. So everybody's starting, you know, here at 11 o'clock Eastern in the States and watching scoreboards. And 
Liverpool is actually um, down one nothing at Anfield, but it goes up on the scoreboard that Aston Villa scores a goal against Man City and Anfield goes nuts because now it's possible. It's yeah. actually possible. And by then Liverpool ties it up to make it one, one. And then Anfield goes, and then, uh, excuse me. And then Aston, Aston goes Villa two nothing in the 70th minute and a 90 minute game. That's really hard to overcome. Yep. But in the 68th, pack minute, it in and defend in the 68th minute. They Pep inserted Ilkay Gundogan, who has just been this unbelievable attacker for Man City, comes in with fresh legs in the 68th minute. And from the 76th minute to the 81st minute, they scored three consecutive goals, two by fresh legs Gundogan, and they win 3-2. And so despite Liverpool's win 3-1 back at Anfield, Man City in a crazy five-minute stretch just score three very improbable goals uh they repeat as uh premier league champs so congrats rooster i i I credit kevin is it de bruyne de bruyne yeah de bruyne kevin de bruyne i think is the reason they got that win he settled that team down when they went down two nothing and, and and you know he missed that free kick everybody was starting to panic and he settled everybody down and said come on let's go we got this and it helps to have that leadership on the team. It helps. It also helps to have a sub like uh, uh, Ilke come out who can score two goals for you. But man, De Bruyne is 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 the you know he's the force on that team. There's just so that many- was such a sick cross that he got. So many great things about Premier League that I wish we could borrow. I mean, the whole promotion relegation thing is so much fun. I mean, imagine being a sucky team in the 18th and 17th place in your 20 team league and still being playing for something or being Mm -hmm. in a division below in, you know, division two and sucking and playing for something because you could move up. It's great. And there was all kinds of drama with that. Um, In fact, a little Champions League drama, too. Champions League drama, Arsenal, who have pretty much had locked up the top four go to Champions League, the best teams in the world. Arsenal pretty much had it locked up a couple weeks ago and slipped while Tottenham went crazy. Um, and yesterday, Tottenham need to win. It didn't. If Tottenham won, they were in um, and they smoked whatever, Norwich or whatever, five, nothing. Yeah. The worst team, number 20. Um, They did what they had to do. They did what they had to do. So, so now next year you've got uh, Man City and Chelsea and Liverpool and Tottenham who will represent uh, the Premier League and champions. But at the bottom uh, of the Premier League is a very interesting development for U.S. soccer because U.S. soccer had a kid who plays for the U.S. men's national team named Brendan Aronson. He played for the Philadelphia Union and was pretty good. I mean, he wasn't like some superstar in the MLS, but he was he was attracting attention as an attacker. And he got signed for the Austrian League, uh, Red Bull Salzburg, which, as it was, was some pretty nice attention. But he played very well over there. And this weekend, what happens in... Uh, International soccer is basically a transfer window opens up. So there's a period of time of just free agency where you can sign players from other teams. And Brendan Aronson was signed by Leeds. 
in the Premier League, um, who, although they're in 17th place, I mean, that's really pretty much the top division, that and La Liga in Spain. And so this is a big, I mean, it's not the first time it's happened, of course. Um, Christian Pulisic is U.S. men's player. He's on Chelsea in the past. Tim Howard, the great goalie, played for Everton. But this is really like an MLS guy playing his way up to men's national team and now to a Premier League team. I think that's a bright future. I think U.S. men's soccer is improving there. Um, But there was other huge, huge soccer news. This is a big soccer week um, because this past week um, was a major thing in just global sports in that for the first time in any federation in sports, there will be equal pay between men and women for the U.S. Soccer Federation. The U.S. women who have won four World Cups, won four gold medals, far superior to the on-field performance than the men's team, sued the U.S. Soccer Federation for equal pay and had a settlement back in February to get $20 million plus of back pay, but they'd not yet resolved the issue of equal pay going forward. And that was resolved next week, uh, last week, a new collective bargaining agreement that results in equalization of money, whether it's a friendly match or a World Cup match, whatever money it gets pooled and shared between the teams. And frankly, U.S. men's team might even benefit from some of that yeah. with how, how well the, the women mm, pay. The women would have been better off with merit-based pay. <laughs> you know, I, read, I read an interesting um, kind of counterpoint by um, – a professor of gender and women's studies, this woman named uh, Cheryl Cookie, I think her name is, or whatever, Cheryl Cookie from Purdue University. Anyway, her point is, while it's a good development in some ways, it will only kind of perpetuate the inequality and dynamics that led to this in the first place, because it took the U.S. women's team to do all of that just to get equal pay. So does that mean that unless you're winning World Cups and winning gold medals, you don't make that argument in other sports? Um, I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing. Well, I mean, if you look at it just from a, from a market perspective, right? Like who sells more ads and who has more viewers? You know, I, I think I think the women do better in the US, right? I think for the, the, the mm-hmm. women's, U.S. World Cup team has more viewers than the men's when they're actually in it, whenever that happens. Right. Um, but I do think that that the women, from a marketing standpoint, are a better bet, which makes you say, why aren't they getting paid more? Um, but in other sports, they're not, right? So, I mean, I, you know, these are, these are marketplace capitalist businesses in most instances uh, that you're, you know, so are, are you comparing national teams to each other or are you comparing you know, leagues like the WNBA, the WNBA doesn't sell tickets at the same clip and doesn't sell TV time at the same clip as the NBA does. So there's less money to go around to owners or players. Right. Right. I mean, that's just, that's just market. I mean, that's just market-based, but when you're talking about the national teams, it's different. Yeah. I mean, should be, should there be the same purse for champions in the grand slams of things like tennis and golf for men and women? But aren't those aren't those marketplace? I mean, like yes. you know, yeah, that, a there's a better argument for that. 
than than in which for the, like for the WNBA. <clears throat> the women's by, they're driven by women's money. tennis may right. may attract more viewers in a given year than men's tennis. But you're never going to say that about women's basketball, based on right. the way things yeah. are going. It's going to take a lot for women's basketball to get to that point. Or women's golf. Right. Right. I agree. That's right. It's just interesting that the conversation now has been advanced a little bit by this, I think, really significant achievement. You know, and on the money topic, and I know that we're probably going to talk about this a little bit later in the pod because there's been continuing controversy over the whole NIL and how money is starting to further ruin NCAA. On the international soccer stage, there was a major development this week. Uh, Kylian Mbappe is arguably the best young player in the world. I mean, you could say that Ronaldo and Messi and Neymar are the best players, but Kylian Mbappe, Salah, Salah, Kane, right? Kane, all of those fantastic. But <laughs> Kylian Mbappe is 23 years old yep. and does things with the soccer ball that are just mind blowing. And he's a superstar for PSG, who's the number one uh, team in the French league. Um, which is not the best of competition, but his contract was expiring on June 30th. And everyone had expected based on chatter that he was going to go over and sign with Real Madrid. And in fact, it was even reported that a deal was in place. PSG is actually owned, which a lot of people don't know. PSG is owned by the state, the nation of Qatar. So they've got unlimited money. And despite the fact that last year PSG ran at a loss of $230 million, they had like they had something like $510 million in salaries and lost $230 million. But they didn't care. They gave Mbappe, they said, here, here's $160 million signing bonus. Here's a three-year contract for $85 million. Screw off Real Madrid. And he stayed. And so now Real Madrid is bringing legal objections and lawsuits to basically say this is preposterous. Now, I think the legal challenges are dead on arrival. But, you know, what Abu Dhabi, which owns Man City, and what Qatar, which owns PSG, have done to international soccer is not really a great thing. I mean, if you're looking for parity and if you're looking for real competition, you know, the fact that a nation state can just buy up players, that's not really a good thing for sport. Sorry, Rooster. Well, yeah, you know, I agree with you, but you're, what are you saying? That it's better for the owners of the Red Sox and the LeBron James consortium to own the team because they're so poor? That's a fair point. I still think there's a difference. I think there's even parity amongst money when you're getting into like the Glazers and the other rich families versus like a nation state with oil money. No, you're right. You're right. I don't disagree with that. By the way, do you guys realize that it's Kylian Mbappe who's responsible for me having Man City in our uh, pool? Right. Yes. (laughs) Congratulations, by the way. Yeah, it's about to end, right? That's about to end. So... It's like uh, the Saudis buying up uh, golfers. Exactly. That worked think, well, didn't it? I think That's the SM, well. I just want to say, guys, the SMQBs need to be on this, and we need to take it down over time. Let's do and it. With that, that's, I have nothing else to say. We're going to take down state-sponsored uh, 
soccer teams. Yeah. We're gonna, t- we're gonna take yeah. down Qatar until they take us out. Then UAE. I don't think Bison can though, because I think they sponsor like the Caps or something. <laughs> I I just want to say one thing about well, the Russians. He, he can't be soccer. Yeah, he can't be pro Russia and anti state owned. Yeah. Soccer. I, I just, oh, right. Right. I, I just want to say something about soccer. I don't get it. <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs> don't you watch hockey? It's really not very different. Oh no, it's extraordinarily different. It's extraordinarily different. <laughs> it's. I'm sorry, I don't get it. I, just I, no icing. Know, it's nice to have it on in the background. It's kind of exciting when they, you know, they get a goal. I don't understand why these teams can score so many goals in the last five minutes when, like. Their life's depending on it, but for 85 other minutes, they can't do shit. I, I don't get it. I, I, I'm i sorry. I've tried. Wow. No sounds, sounds like you're fired yeah. up for the Liverpool uh, Real Madrid. I'm, I'm with you, man. League on, uh, on I, Saturday. I, I, I'm just championship. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of being <laughs> someone. <laughs> I, can't I can't do this anymore. It's yes. too much pressure. Yes. I don't get it. <laughs> You I guys thought I was know the all only these one. players. Okay, it's not now, interesting. Now that we're sharing, I hate tennis. <laughs> <laughs> this is very cathartic. Uh, wow, it was on the agenda. Rooster, out. like it even back in the Borg Ma- Borg McEnroe days, you hated it. No, no, I did like it then, and I would. I'll watch Serena Williams, but men's tennis bores the hell out of me right now. Okay, well, we're leaving. We're leaving soccer off the agenda, and we won't talk about <laughs> Champions League final this weekend. Just pay, just pay me my money. That's what went Liverpool. Wins. Tell me when I wow. win. Go Real Madrid. Yeah. Wow. I still don't know when I win our pool. I just know you, when you, I pay you money. never do. You never you, do. So you never do. You're good. Yeah. Uh, I won once. I had Chelsea with something. Yeah, we right. call Champions League. Yeah. Is there anything else on? Uh, no, no. That's no. It. We're moving on. Uh, okay. Please move on. All right. All right. Well, let's go, let's go to the mailbag for a second here and lead into a little uh, a little Formula nice. One mailbag. Actually, uh, mailbag. Let's see. Love go mailbag. to the, the mailbag. I love Hopefully not Moose Jaw because we're tired sure. of him. Yeah. No, no, no. Here we go. Get, here we go. Oh, get the special report from the Circuit de Barcelona. Great start from Charles Leclerc today, and that legendary Ferrari quality got him. He had to bow out of the race. Verstappen looking so dominant, out 20 seconds ahead of everybody else. Great race, great fan experience. One thing, Europeans can't be trusted with nice things. You can't buy beer in the stadium. What's going on here? Oh. <laughs> Jose with the wow. yellow jersey. No beer? No beer. No beer. Jose Lizarraga. Way to go. Jose Lizarraga, our podcast from Dallas guy. Oh, yeah, well, listen, that, that was a great report. I hope you had a good time uh, at the race. It, it is a, you know, like you said, it's a it's a fan event. Um, we won't spend too much time on F1, uh, but but there is something that I think is kind of interesting to talk about that happened in the in the Grand Prix yesterday. Um, for anybody who watched it, uh, it was it looked like it was going to be a relatively uneventful race. Ferrari's Charles Leclerc got out to a fast start from the pole. And really, I think he was like 18 seconds or 12 seconds ahead of yep. the pack. At, 19 at, at point. one point. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody, I was listening to something today about it. And like when they suddenly flash to the car that's 20 seconds ahead of everybody else, it's not a good thing for the guy in that car. And so when the cameras shift to, to Leclerc's car and they're like, uh, he doesn't seem to be going very fast at this point. And then they cut to his radio and he's just going, no, no, no. 
And it's like, it's like just so sad because the engine's gone. He's out. He has to retire. And that opened it up. Um, And you got into this situation where Checo Perez is leading and Verstappen is behind them and they're teammates for Red Bull. Most people know that at this point. And the orders come over the radio. They call it, they call this team orders, right? The orders come over for Perez to let Verstappen go by. And there's like 25 laps left. There's a lot of racing left. Sorry, man. Nobody's, nobody's going to really catch either of these guys, right? I mean, at that point. And Perez just said, and it was interesting, he said, you know, understand the orders. We'll talk later. What do you guys think about this? I mean, why, you know, why just, did they do that? What is the purpose? I don't understand. They why? claim that uh, Verstappen had fresher tires and that and that Checo wasn't going to be able to win without another pit stop. But I don't believe that. Nobody believes right. that. No, right. that was the official line, right? No, was that, yeah. Was that it so was a different, you know, it was so like, hot. Like I said yesterday, Max has won every race this year that he's finished. And this this year, the team principal had to put his fingers on the scale to make that happen. It's true, but that's not, I mean, Mercedes did the same thing with Lewis and Botas. Yeah, um, for years. It, yep. They yep. didn't they didn't let them, you know, race. And if you want your guy to win, that's part of team racing. They want Verstappen to win the, the championship. And for every race, look, I think we can all agree that if Leclerc's uh, power unit doesn't fail, he wins that race. Right. Going I mean, away. Going yeah. away. Right. So that suggests that Ferrari has a better car and Verstappen's going to need to win every race that he can. That's why they yeah. did it. And but I think why? Checo would be a fool to get pissed off and, and, you know, threaten to leave the team and all that next year because he's not going to do any better anywhere else because the other teams with the great cars have number one drivers already. Why are you favoring one driver over another if you're on the same team? Doesn't Red Bull just want to win? Why why are they trying to make max? Because they don't believe that Checo could win the the driver championship. And don't don't forget, Checo had a – Checo was in a position to pass Russell – at one point and couldn't get it done. And Max well, did. Max well, is a better driver than Checo. That's just, let's fact. not forget. I mean, look, last year it came down to the last lap on the last race. Everybody knows that. Right. And so, you know, the six point difference between first and second that you get, you know, clearly it's huge, right? I mean, it, it made a difference uh, last year. Um, you know, absolutely made, would have made a difference if this race had been, you know, a year ago. So I get it. But man, you're really telling a guy you are our number two. Like you are, you are the backup basically. And um, I mean, all these guys have egos. And look, Perez is a great teammate, and he said all the right things. I mean, you know, he when the race was over or something, he said, you know, happy for the team. Um, and but, Max you know, said the right but thing, d- but said, don't like it. Thank you to Bullshit. my teammate. Yeah, 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 yeah. Max said He's the right happy. things too. No, he's not happy. He's a good teammate. And he, and he kept the corporate, you know, corporate man. He kept up the, the good face during right. all the interviews. But you got to be wondering, you know, am I going to ever have a fair shot? I mean, if yeah. he's in a Ferrari, does he get a, a fair chance to race for a championship? It does seem like Ferrari is less into that than the other the other top teams. Like, they wouldn't mind if Sainz won. Not Checo's that he's great, going uh, to. Checo's a great driver. And if there were a fourth <clears throat> constructor with a car 
as equally good, Checo mm-hmm. could be the number one driver for another team. For yeah, sure. yeah, he's definitely a number yeah. one driver. He's the well, best I mean, number two driver there is. That's why Ricardo left Red Bull was because even though he was number one, he knew that Max was was on the way and he wanted to be a number one. He didn't want to get pushed out. And, yeah, you know, he hadn't recovered since. He's been with. I was gonna say, how'd that work out? Middling constructor. That, that should that should. Uh, Right. That should that should advise Checo on his next move. What yeah, Ricardo but, did. I mean, you know, does this is this kind of an anti? I think I was texting. I'm like, it seems like it's it's a violation of the fabric of racing that it's anti-competitive, and I and I get that it's team racing, but to tell a driver to stand down because his teammate needs to win championship points, which is exactly what they did. Seems like it violates whatever the nature of racing is, which is competitiveness. Right. I mean, don't well, you, well, how do y'all look at that? If this was but, Brochon and and uh, Kevin Magnum Magnuson a couple years ago, and Haas somehow miraculously found themselves <laughs> in first and second place with five laps to go, you know what those two guys would have done? They would have crashed each other out of the race, <laughs> and they would have gotten zero points. Yeah, I think. It's, I mean, listen. I, I, I think, think it's, it's part of the sport. racing. Yeah, I yeah. agree too. And, you know, look, I'm late to F1. I think we all are pretty much. Uh, but, you know, I compared it to uh, today. I did a little research, you know, Indy 500 series, right? Chip Ganassi racing. They've got the the number one uh, guy on the pole at the Indy 500, Scott Dixon. He's number six in the series this year. Um, Alex Palou won the Indy 500 last year. He's number one in the racing this year in the in the leaderboard. I mean, are they gonna are they gonna have Scott Dixon stand down because Alex Palou has a better chance to win? They're not. It's it's. Po- I mean, F1 is unique. I think from that perspective, you have two cars, ten teams. You know, Indy, you've got NASCAR. You got teams with lots of drivers. I don't see any other scenario other than F1 where you have anti-competitiveness racing which is you know kind of part of the part of the nature of that sport imagine that a sport that has predominantly not been an american sport values teamwork more than an american sport that focuses on the eye that's that is i mean talk about a cultural experiment right there i mean that's that's kind of fascinating actually it's a good point bison better better for the community versus for the for the me are you are you saying f1 is socialism I think Pope's got an antitrust case. He's got an antitrust case to work up for anti-competition. All right. Well, listen, when you start talking antitrust, we'll be filing in Vegas. We'll be filing in Vegas next November. (laughs) Seems like that's a good time to punch someone in the face. (laughs) Come on, man. And I suspect this one won't be controversial at all. Milk, you got a punchable face of the week? Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever there's a chance to punch Satan, excuse me, Nick Saban, uh, I take the chance. As we all know, there was some back and forth between Satan and Jimbo this week. Uh, involving some accusations that Texas A&M bought all of their players through this NIL deal. And let me just tell you guys this, by the way, this is going faster than I expected. 
I expected the NIL to kill college football in maybe five to seven years. It could be in the next two. It's really going well. It's very smooth. Um, you sound like Dr. Evil. Oh, oh, I said, I said it's all part of your plan. This is all part of the plan. It's going we very did talk well. about unintended consequences Throw very early on. Billions of dollars into college football. See what happens. But I love this because so he's accusing Jimbo of using the NIL, buying all their players when that asshole has been under the table (laughs) buying players for the last 15 years. Whoa. And yeah, he's done it. Whoa, those are fighting words. Uh, Well, we know for a fact that players have been being bought by that he's been buying players for years. I know. I have heard multiple stories of players that went to other schools, Florida state, Florida, that during their recruiting trip at Alabama, the last thing they heard was, Hey, there's something waiting for you in your locker or whatever they got. And then they go and there's a bag with a hundred thousand dollars cash. That's a bear Bryant stuffed animal. Come on. Yeah. So um, it's all bullshit. He's been doing it all his career. Now he's upset because he can't compete anymore or whatever. All these other players are going somewhere else. And he's starting to say, blame Jimbo and all these other schools when he's been, I love the fact that he's, did he say, and I quote, I have not, we didn't get, we didn't buy one player on our roster. He did. And you quote, I'm pretty sure he said that. He said that he did say that. And to Jimbo's credit basically was a little marching orders to the, to the press, go ahead and investigate this guy. Go ahead and investigate every coach that go talk to every coach that's worked with Nick Saban. Go ahead and do it and see what they say because they know he knows that this has been going on for years. So I don't know. I'm sick of it. So punch him, punch milk, him. Milk. I what, just so what was, before, what was wait, Fisher's hold on, hold response? On, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We got to get clarity on one thing though. Is this a closed fist punch, milk, or are we just open hand slapping? No, this slapping is not a slap. This I is just closed, sure. closed fisted. I'm tired of the complaining. I'm tired of. <laughs> okay. All folk, right. What was so. the response? Yeah. What was the response? Milk? Say it, folks. Well, yeah, Jimbo. You're, you're defending Jimbo, aren't yeah. you? So, yeah. I'm not defending Jimbo. So Jimbo came, came back and had a big press conference, made sure he invited, you know, as many reporters as uh, who would show up. And obviously he went after Saban, but he also, I think he made a big mistake for their program because he said only one out of the 11 five-star signees from last year, this year's class has an NIL deal. Now there's been rumors, you know, you can say Nick pays money under the table. Well, there's been plenty of rumors that A&M has a $30 million NIL deal for the guys in this class. All right. All right. So, Fisher has put a big old target by saying only one out of 11 and Paul Feinbaum, the great sec, you know, announcing uh, Oracle guy, said, said me protesteth too much for Jimbo. Jimbo could have said, yeah, you know what? Nick, Nick is right. And we're doing it by the rules and we are going to kick their ass. But instead he said, no, we're not doing that. I don't know what he's talking about. And Spurrier by milk, Spurrier came and to the defense of Saban. I don't know if y'all saw that today. No. Yeah. 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 
Nick Todd, uh, he said, did uh, Nick we say, just, we did, should wow. Nick punch every, did Nick really say anything? Former SEC coach. Is That's this right now? Way to class up, way to really class up that story. Bring Absolutely. Spurrier, Spurrier, yeah. Spurrier said, did Nate, did Saban say anything that wasn't true? Yeah, I'm not happy about that. Him supporting uh, huh, Saban, uh, by the uh, way. Yeah. And <laughs> you know what else came to his defense? Lane Kiffin. And, you know, they, oh my God. Don't have as great a, <laughs> What did what did Vladimir uh, Putin think about? I it love this argument, by the way. It's kind of like, well, I'm not using the NIL deal. I, I do leave paper bags full of money, but I'm not doing the NIL. Yeah, stuff. But that's he leaves that to the boosters. The NIL, right. stuff. like, oh, the boosters. I don't, I don't do it myself. I, I don't know what happens. Uh, behind all that. I know is this is this is great for ratings, and I cannot wait for October 10th in Tuscaloosa, and I I am planning on being there for that game because. The so, hatred between those two right now, you just can't let's even. Let's not forget that our audience should know that the Cochrane, Texas firm to which Brian Pope belongs used to be yes. called Pope Taylor, which is Brian Pope, Alabama shill, and Larry Taylor, <laughs> Texas A&M grad. And there is gonna, <laughs> there is going to be some Wait, so, slugging, slug so festival. Pope, are, are you are you actually punching uh, Jimbo? Do we have competing punchable faces? Absolutely, know. I'm punching know. Jimbo because just he's defending a, Satan. No, no, I'm punching Jimbo because he put nice. his program in a spotlight that he shouldn't have. He should have played it differently. I'm punching him. It's but, all going according to plan. All do, happening is um AM considered to have had the number one recruiting class this year. Oh, yeah, yes. okay, by far. Okay, no question. Is there, is there any chance that the, the Nils make college football interesting again? Interesting, oh. yes, oh. <laughs> interesting, yes. No, that's oh, why they, Satan, I mean, that's why Satan's this, this is interesting. Uh, I might be, I might be with Jimbo on this one, and I might be on his side then. But you know, let's, look, let's level the playing field. AM had no, wanted... you should want this. Nate. That's what I'm saying. This is I'm how Boston College can get back. Guys, yes. don't forget, hey. don't forget my announcement that I was going to support a college football team this year. I want to let all of our advertisers know I'm open to an NIL deal for which team I'm going to support. Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, interesting. All right. Any more punches to throw? That's it. I love it. I love it where we, we got to a segment where we're using Spurrier and Lane Kiffin as <laughs> as backup is like like this is Voices why you should think that, yeah, this is why them. this is why I'm on the moral and ethical side of the argument because Lane Kiffin says so. Holy shit. Okay. All right, let's do a little Ted yes. Lasso. Uh, and I have one. Does anybody, anyone else have one? I, I got one I want to talk about. Just kind of a small lasso moment that you like to see in sports. But, um, Milk, you won't appreciate this. Uh, Adley uh, Rauschman was the number one pick in the Major League Baseball draft. Let's see, what year was he the first pick? I think it was like, uh, what, what was it, 19? You're going to do this maybe? for my birthday? Yeah, I am. Um uh, I think it was like 18 or 19. Anyway, he was the number one pick by the Orioles. And there's just been a lot of hype. He's, you know, pretty much everybody says he's the number one prospect in, in baseball. And uh, he made his major league debut this weekend against Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa Bay Sun Rays. Tampa Bay Rays. 
but the the reason that it, it there's a lasso here, it's not just because of, of a big time prospect coming up and getting called up to the majors. But you know, they they say that you know you always hear the cliches like take it all in, or, or the guys say, well, I'm just going to try and live in the moment and take it all in. This kid really did. I mean, he walked up there and he goes out to home plate. He's a catcher. And he goes up, and the first thing he does is shakes the um, the home plate umpire's hand. Like I don't know that I've ever seen that before from a catcher. When he, he looks like he's field. twelve, he looks like he's twelve, right? He shakes shakes the guy's hand, and then he goes to the plate. And before he puts his his mask on, he does a complete three sixty and literally takes in the whole picture, the whole experience. And then he throws his mask on, and I, I think he kind of he said something to himself it looked like he was saying fuck yeah you know but they didn't they cut that out of course in the good the feel good story but he was just so excited and uh it was very refreshing actually to see somebody who goes up and who really was sort of humbled by the experience and was excited to be there so Adley Roush when you you get a Ted Lasso this week this might be the only time in the next decade that Orioles are related to a lasso so we ought to give it to them <laughs> Have, I know. That's so have you true. noticed that Nace lassos either the Nationals or catchers? That's pretty much it. That's true. Okay. I think that's Ovechkin okay. might have gotten one. A little surprised <laughs> he didn't lasso Georgetown baseball today. Big week. Big week for the Hoyas. So they gotta they gotta win the tournament if they want to go on any further. So so well they could. They just took they took three. They swept the number sixteen team in the country. You kind of back. He's back. Yeah. His knees yeah. are feeling well. He could be behind yeah. the plate again soon. Wow. Let's go. Jesus pain. Boy of Saxon. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other lassos? Rooster, you you want to pour one out? Yeah, I know you guys hate to talk about baseball when the Yankees are uh, raining Major uh, League Baseball at this time. But we do uh, need to pour one out for the, for the great Roger Angel. Um he died um, Friday at the age of 101. And if any of you fans out there wonder why Nace loves baseball as much as he does, and guys like George will love baseball as much as they do, read any one of Roger Angel's books, like The Summer Game from 1972 or Five Seasons from 1977, excuse me. And you will just learn, you know, to love the the slow paced game, America's game. It is the, the, he's the best baseball writer in the history of the country, I think. And uh, started out as an essayist for the New Yorker, and is just an all around great author. Um, but at age 101, he died uh, Friday, and so pour one out to Roger. Rest in peace, Roger. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Good one, Rooster. Good one. Well, I, think you, else? I think you guys get lasso candles for your birthday. So happy birthday. Yeah. Happy yeah. birthday. Birthday. Thank you. Very much. Thank you. Birthday. Birthdays. Milk and Rooster. So cute. By the way, before we go, one last tip to our gamblers. Apparently all the Florida Panthers were in strip clubs last night here <laughs> in Tampa. So you may want to bet on the lightning. And that's it. <laughs> As if you weren't going to anyway. Aren't you going for the sweep? <laughs> Sweep tonight, baby. Sweep tonight, man. Two wow. sweeps coming on. Tampa will get you. It'll get you. It's happened before. We've it's all happened, been. Happened, happened to the best of us. It's happened to the best of us. All right. Happy birthday, guys. Have a good week, everybody. Happy birthday, boys. Later. 
The SMQBs are Brian Bandwagon Pope, who hails from Dallas, Texas, and has never met a first-place team that he didn't have a personal connection to. Michael Rooster Phelan, hailing from Richmond, and who roots for teams from New York, or is it Boston? I can't remember which it was. One or the other. Also, Patrick Milk Michaeler from Tampa Bay, and he is still massively in love with Tom Brady and will never get over his man crush on the GOAT. Toby House Milrod, a long-suffering sports fan, hailing from Philadelphia, whose Eagles team, mm, they're still looking for another quarterback. And I am Chris Bison Nace, hailing from Washington, District of Champions. Thanks for listening.